Welcome back everybody to Top Tip 2000 podcast. Finally after 2 weeks of festivals and holidays and a lot a lot of enjoyment I'm back again with amazing 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 episode for job seekers, university students and recent graduates. To anyone tuning in new to this podcast, I'm a host Tarzan and this podcast is designed and dedicated to support university students recent graduates and active job seekers. Well, you might be wondering who will be giving you those tips. Well, I bring in an interview a lot of amazing recruiters, co-founders, industry leaders and professionals from various industries who will be sharing the tips that could be helpful in your job seeking journey on this current job market. On this sixth episode, I have an amazing, amazing legend who actually started a company, recruitment company, Prontosearch, during 2020. Starting a company in 2020 itself is a challenge and, and running, a, running it successfully is a huge achievement. Ladies and gentlemen, for the sixth episode, I have Dave Raphael. If you are connected with Dave in LinkedIn, you would see he is not just another uh, director of a recruitment company sharing jobs. He actually shares a lot about mental health. He talks about sales tip and he also talked about recruitment industry, not just for like in, in a way to share job, but in a way to actually educate people as well. Dave is a sales and recruitment professional who has experience a startup global business and running his own company. His company is Pronto Search. If you really, really want to see how real a person he is, feel free to follow his LinkedIn page and see his content. Without any further ado, let's jump into the port and listen to tips from the legend himself. Hope you'll be able to get value out of it. Welcome to the pod, David. How are you going, mate? Thanks, Tazan. Good to be here. I'm uh, doing very well, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. How's your day been so far? Well, up and down. I mean, recruitment's, recruitment is always up and down. Every day can either start up and finish down and start up again, or go back up again, rather, or it can start down and go up. So, you know, you mm -hmm. just got to kind of ride with it, right? So are you working by yourself in the Pronto Search, or do you have any support as well uh, in your company? Yeah, so it's just myself uh, who's actually doing the recruitment work, but I do have a virtual assistant, which helps me with, um, you know, a bit of sourcing, but mostly like admin data entry and stuff. But essentially, it's just myself. Well, and you started this company during 2020, isn't it? Yeah, so pretty interesting time just as the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. um, and we started working from home and everything. And I'd been thinking about starting my own business for a bit. Um, and I just decided to pull the trigger. So whether that was brave or stupid, we'll see. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been a hell of a learning experience. Well, no, I, th I think uh, it's it's really brave, I, I would say, because most of the businesses, they were trying to shut down during the pandemic. But I think the way you try to operate, you mostly, I, I see that you post in LinkedIn, you know, your most sort of your client approach is really different. I think it's really brave, I would say. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that, mate. No, I do. Um, the LinkedIn posting has really only been uh, this this year, though, like the kind of last six months. Mm -hmm. um, so last year, it was a bit of finding my feet and just figuring out where exactly I would specialize and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the LinkedIn post has mainly been this year. And I'm sure yourself as well, right? Yeah, but I also started during 2020. So 2020, mm. even though it was sort of a you know, really bad moment for a lot of people in different aspects of financial. A lot of people lost uh, like their families and stuff. But 
on the flip side, if we see that it gave people the opportunity, you know, be themselves and then, you know, take that risk and stuff, because they found out that the traditional way of working in any company won't work because most of the business didn't really have this digital approach, you know, except Amazon or Spotify or those kind of stuff. So people mm. understood that, no, the world is changing and everybody, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of people, uh, they got into podcasts, YouTube, blogging, and they even, you know, started their own business. So I think in a way it was good, I would say 2020. Yeah, I think you're right. It showed a lot of people that you could go out and do it on your own because everyone was at home doing it by themselves, essentially, especially, I mean, if you take recruitment for an example, I know so many recruiters that have left their their companies in the last year and started their own uh, recruitment business. And it's because exactly that. I mean, recruitment, you're basically running your own business, whether you work for a company or not. So yeah, a lot of people just thought, oh, why would I, you know, why would I do all these billings and half of it goes to the company, whereas I could do it myself and get all of it. Um, I'm sure that's one of the reasons, but the other reasons are, you know, the flexibility, which we all knew we could do it with recruitment, but uh, the pandemic forced companies into that. Um, and yeah, also the, yeah, just the sense of satisfaction you get from running your own business. So mm-hmm. you're right. A lot of people caught, caught on to that. Yep. And, uh, but like your career, uh, like progression is really uh, interesting as well. You, you started in, in, in a different uh, field and then you went to recruitment and now you are totally focused into sales tech. So let's talk about that. How did you, um, change your career from being into that education part and now you are into recruitment and totally into sales, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. Let me um, let me give you a brief snapshot. So, in my early twenties, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. To be honest, I um, was at uni. I was, you know, doing a few other things outside of uni, but really, I had no um, no clear aspirations or goals or path, career path. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I left. Uh, well, I graduated, took a year off, um, and then I did some soul searching, some you know, trying to find out who I am and. I thought that I wanted to go and work for government and I started a master's degree of public policy mm-hmm. and spent one month in there. And then I, I dropped out because I just hated doing coursework. So I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't study again. Um, so I just wanted to work. Um, but I knew that my just having a uni degree, especially an arts degree, doesn't really qualify you for anything. So I did a bunch of things. I was driving Uber at the time um, for income. And I was doing some internships, I was doing some volunteering. Uh, and I also started a, link, a LinkedIn profile, which, uh, you know, I thought, ah, oh, you know, I'll apply for some jobs, maybe it'll lead somewhere. I didn't have any expectations at all, but I actually got headhunted by my first company, Splend. Mm-hmm. So they, um, their internal recruiter or HR, Nick Rodriguez, he found me because I had these things on my LinkedIn mm-hmm. um, and, you know, had a, an, an okay profile going together. So he reached out to me um, and within a week, two interviews, I got a job in sales in, uh, in Splend. So Splend is a car rental company for Uber drivers. If that kind of helps, you know, had the Uber on my profile. Um, but yeah, I'd never thought of doing sales before. Um, I always had this thought in mind beforehand of like, oh, sales people are, you know, a bit scummy or, you know, they're dodgy or they just want to, they just want my money and blah, blah, blah. You know, the typical image of a salesperson, Hey man, how you going? But like, that's yeah. what I thought sales was meant to be like. Um, but when I joined, you know, Splend is very much a startup. So there was that kind of energy, but um, I learned a lot about, you know, personality profiles, about 
mirroring and matching about different sales style, style sales styles like um, straight line method and um, yeah, a few others. And um, yeah, that was a really good experience working at Splend for about a year and a half. I was doing the front of house sales. So mm -hmm. every new potential customer, the Uber drivers, they would come in and they want to sign up. Um, and I'd, you know, give them a tour of the office, explain what the, you know, what the deal was, the contract and everything, walk them through everything and uh, yeah, sign them up. So yeah, I learned a lot. Um, as you probably know, working for startups, you're kind of required to do everything here and there. Yeah. Um, so it gave me a really good base, uh, I think foundation for my future career. And I, I would definitely recommend for people to join startups because you learn so much and you learn a lot in a really short amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, can be good for some people, really good for some people. Other people might struggle though. Other people who need that kind of discipline and that structure might mm -hmm. suffer because startups are very fluid and you you need to be adaptable and flexible mm -hmm. um so yeah and i spent uh yeah sorry no and yeah bob so you basically started as a sales and stuff and how did you jump into recruitment after that yeah so after a year and a half i thought well you know i think i've got more potential than this mm -hmm. and there wasn't really anywhere for me to progress in that company so I was looking for other jobs. Um, I went for interviews here and there. I interviewed with Nintex. Um, I interviewed with this app development company called AppScore, mm -hmm. which is a whole nother story by itself. They they uh, went in, into administration while I was part of the interview process. Uh, so that was funny. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was interviewing there, I actually had a recruiter helping me. Um, mm -hmm. His name's Josh, Josh Hoban. Um, I'm not sure if he's still doing recruitment or not, but he really, really liked his job. Um, he seemed to be really good at it and he seemed to be making um, a decent amount of money and, you know, it was actually helping people. So I thought, you know, this seems like an interesting job. Why don't I consider this? Um, mm. And I just applied for a few different recruitment companies, ended up getting an interview with Robert Huff, mm -hmm. um, which also was a very interesting interview experience. I think the first, uh, so the first question the senior uh, associate director asked me, he sat me down, he was completely stone-faced, mm -hmm. sat me down and he asked me, what did you want to be when you grew up? And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't thought about that for years. And then I thought originally I wanted to be a soccer player. Oh, and then wow. I realized that, you know, I probably wasn't good enough to be a soccer player. <laughs> and then I wanted to be a rock star. Also realized I probably wasn't good enough to be a rock star. Then I wanted to be a journalist and I realized journalism was dying. Mm -hmm. um, so I never really want, knew what I wanted to be, to be honest. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, anyway, I ended up getting the role with them, uh -huh. um, which also was a really great experience. Completely different company to Splend. They're a massive, Robert Huff's a massive global recruitment firm, mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest in the world. Mm -hmm. um, I was recruiting software developers in the permanent division. So you, you do software developers as well. Yeah, um, I used to do that earlier before, uh, in, mostly in de development space. By the way, I also actually wanted to run up my like from my home to like India to be soccer player. Yeah. By the way, who who, who do you like, Messi or Ronaldo? We gotta talk that first before <laughs> we start on anything, man. <laughs> oh, I don't want to say in case you like what in case you like the no, other look, one. <laughs> I have actually been so so public, even in my interview, that any place that I had, uh, like Creative Natives was one of the company that I, that that I was working for and even on the interview process with the director of the company we were having conversation about 
like which player we like is it cristiano ronaldo or messi and yeah we can start from there man before we start talking and anything else man <laughs> well I, i like ronaldo because a lot of the stuff i've seen from him is like he's really nice to his mom he's nice to teammates he's a very like disciplined structured person as well mm-hmm. um and yeah i just i respect that kind of that mentality finally man thank you man we are we are on the same page and we can we can continue further <laughs> All right brilliant brilliant <laughs> <laughs> no yeah it 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 it's if it was like me 5 years ago we like we used to have this huge discussion about who is better cuz when uh, ronaldo was in real madrid and when messi was in barcelona uh, like when there was el clasico we, we used to really literally we used to you know fight with each other you know verbally not to, like physically there used to be a lot of fight but it's interesting to see how this both player you know, inspire you know the cold war i would say Mm-hmm. good point and when let's talk about a little bit about the hiring process that you have been through because you have been a candidate and you mm-hmm. you know have your own struggles as well let's talk about the difference of hiring process that you see uh during like 2017-18 and the difference now what what are the changes that you have seen at the moment yeah so i can see a bit of a shift and it's a bit so there are ways that it's changing and ways that it's not changing um and the ways that it's not changing first of all is that the big global companies so you know you Randstad you Hayes Hudson that kind of thing they're so big and so well entrenched in their positions in the market and their systems and their processes that they're probably not going to change anything uh or much if anything at all um the one thing that they've had to change is the remote hiring stuff mm-hmm. um which everyone is kind of used to now so that's that's a bit of a difference um and it is a significant difference actually because you know in the recruitment process it's about people right and you can't necessarily tell what someone is like without their body language you know eye contact um even things like the way they smell the way they walk you know all these kind of things that really play into it and particularly in my field in sales um it's very important that um that clients and candidates can see eye to eye on that Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a bit of a tangent but I see those big companies is not really changing much apart from that remote hiring stuff and they're doing a lot of good work in that because they're advising their clients how to onboard people remotely because a lot of their clients don't know mm-hmm. um, a lot of these businesses haven't been through it before most mm-hmm. businesses um the ways that I really see it changing though in the last few years is the use of LinkedIn mm-hmm. so Um I don't know if you know this but LinkedIn was originally made or created to be a platform that would eliminate the use of recruiters. Um so that obviously haven't hasn't happened the human element of recruitment is always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um but the way that LinkedIn is used now is changing quite a bit. Um people are appro- approached every single day most candidates I speak to they're like you're the third recruiter that's approached me this week. Mm-hmm. Um so the way i use linkedin is changing and the way that good recruiters i think is are using linkedin is changing one of them is the social branding or the personal branding stuff so you know posting content about yourself and your business your process mm-hmm. um the use of video the use of video is increasing year on year mm-hmm. and it's not just in recruitment but it's also in most other industries as well mm-hmm. so use of video is huge um and yeah i just think that the the platform is really saturated linkedin mm-hmm. so you need some kind of way to set yourself apart from the crowd mm-hmm. 
Okay, I actually didn't knew the LinkedIn part that it was start like it was mainly started to eliminate recruiters. I I thought it was it was started for like uh, job seeking and stuff, and it was created for that part. I I guess. That's well, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's one in the same, right? Like it was created for job seekers and and people hiring, mm-hmm. um, but essentially to kind of cut out the middleman. But doesn't really. Uh, apologies, sorry, just had to answer that. Um, it doesn't really change the way um, that recruitment works because you need the you need the human in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we need to us as recruiters, we need to screen out certain things that we're a judge of character and where that vector in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a bunch of other technologies uh, like Hiatual and a few others that are trying to again eliminate the human element, but I just don't mm-hmm. think it's going to happen. Yeah, but I think one of the things, um, like whenever people try to create this sort of platform, they need to realize that the human part will always be there because candidate, even if if there is an application that says apply for a job and stuff, at the end, we need a recruiter to understand the candidate fully. You know, it's not just about the technical part that really matters. It matters if they are really passionate and an application can never really uh, understand that. But even if there is an application, there always needs to be one person looking after that as well, whether it be an ATS or whether it be an LinkedIn recruiter as well. Even if we chat virtually, you know, there is always a person behind it, I would say. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And like you mentioned, there's so much you can't tell through a CV. Um, yeah. You know, I, I will often take a glance at the CV, then call straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the biggest test for me is, you know, if we can have a good conversation when I initially call you, mm-hmm. then I'll, I'm going to want to continue. Um, yeah. but yeah, you're right. The human element, I don't think it's going to change. Yep. And let's talk about a little bit more about the, the candidate part as well. Like we have heard mm-hmm. this thing every day on LinkedIn, like everyone, like, even if we don't post it, somebody else will be posting, oh, this is a candidate driven market. Um, yeah. I actually had a chat with um, another recruiter a couple of days ago. I actually recorded a podcast and I asked him the same question, but I wanted to know from you about uh, within the sales tech um, like sector, do you really think there is a candidate-driven market? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would say that you know tech sales is probably one of the most, if not the most driven. Um, I think probably software developers is the most candidate-driven market at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, definitely tech sales is um, very, very candidate driven. So mm-hmm. I guess what I mean when I say that uh, is there's, if you think about the job market with supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the demand for candidates is way outstripping the supply. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for so many different reasons, but the main ones are people are more risk averse now. Um, they don't want to necessarily move companies because of the pandemic, the lockdowns. they don't want to risk it. Um, secondly, they're loyal to the companies if they've been kept on through COVID. Um, they feel a sense of loyalty to their employer. Um, they also, you know, particularly salespeople, if they're doing well in their jobs, they're not going to want to leave because they're already being remunerated well. They're being rewarded and, and looked after. Mm-hmm. The fourth one is the issue of talent that we lost going back overseas mm-hmm. and lack of talent coming into the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, that's upsetting a lot of the, um, the balance in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason there's so much, so that's the supply side. The reason there's so much demand is that last year, a lot of companies um, pruned the tree. So they, they got rid of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then they kind of rehired towards the end of the year. A lot of the time they made hiring mistakes. So they either had to let people go or those people left on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the market's back up to a level. There's confidence in the economy. So companies are hiring a lot more. Mm-hmm. So the demand is way back up there, but the mm-hmm. supply is nowhere near back up there yet. Um, mm-hmm. I can see that shifting in the next few months and particularly, you know, come the end of first quarter next year, I think a lot of things will change. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about the entry-level roles, or for example, the most of mm-hmm. my uh, listeners are um, either somebody who want to change their career and get into digital space, or they are like recent graduates and really fresh blood, and they want to get into their foot into professional roles. What about uh, these sort of entry roles? Do you think on those roles as with it is candidate-driven market? Because uh, what I have seen as well is that, yeah, a mid-level role and like senior, mid to senior level role, there definitely is like candidate market. But when it comes to these junior roles and entry-level roles, uh, like a lot of people have not been able to get their foot into their, you know, professional role. What about these roles? Is it candidate-driven as well? So, yeah, and that's a really good question because you're right, the mid and senior roles are more driven and they're usually more specialized. They need specific skills and experience. Whereas the junior roles, it's still candidate driven. There's still a lot of junior roles on, like I've got five different junior roles on at the moment, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not struggling as much to find suitable candidates for them. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's because with any industry, there's always going to be more juniors. Um, I think because people will transition into different industries or get more specialized, whereas junior roles are more, you know, there's not necessarily an, an experience or a background that's required. So the junior roles, actually, you're still competing against quite a few other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, don't rest on your laurels or don't um, get complacent because you're still, you still need to kind of sell yourself and prove yourself if you're a mm-hmm. junior candidate. Yep. And when we talk about this sort of junior candidate, what sort of thing that you really look uh, into junior candidate when you are hiring, like what mm-hmm. makes a best candidate for any junior sales role? Is it depend, it, does it depend upon the company or the degree or the experiences on the projects? Yeah, good, good question as well. Um, it does depend on the company and the experience that they need. Um, and particularly for junior sales candidates, <sighs> I know it's a chicken and the egg situation. Like, how do I get experience if I don't have experience, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But most of the roles that I recruit for, the junior ones, they do need some kind of sales experience. And the reason for that is because sales is a brutal industry or a brutal career if, if you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to be extremely resilient. You have to deal with rejection day in, day out and be okay and keep going and, and push on. Mm-hmm. You also have to have really good interpersonal skills and enjoy interacting with and meeting new people. Mm-hmm. So there's these key elements and there's a few others as well. Um, you know, like being money driven and you should never be afraid to admit that you're money driven if you're in sales, because if you, had, if you tell me that you're not motivated by money, I'm going to think, Oh, there's something wrong with this guy's why is he in sales? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a few kind of key qualities that you need to have, mm-hmm. which you can only really have if you've had, some kind of sales experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so the types of people I like seeing junior candidates, you know, you might be a fresh graduate, mm-hmm. but if you've done some door-to-door sales or charity sales, tele- telemarketing or, you know, telephone sales mm-hmm. um, or anything where it's like high volume, you're getting rejected a lot and it builds mm-hmm. that kind of base level of skills. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the candidates that I really like to, to speak to. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So when, when you talk about uh, door-to-door and uh, telemarketing, as well, does the overseas experience count as well as something you would consider when, when hiring somebody? I do, I do. Um, sometimes clients don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Australian market is a different type of sales market to the US or if you're from uh, India, for example, or uh, Malaysia or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think those the way that people are trained in sales over there is like the American model where it's fairly transactional and it's more like, you know, um, it's not as relationship driven. Um, Australia, the sales is very, people don't like salespeople in Australia. <laughs> they don't like being sold to. Yeah. Um, that's general for most people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we have this particular way of selling that's more, way more relationship driven. It's much more of a soft sell. Mm-hmm. And it's much more based on understanding the way that Australians think and act. Mm-hmm. Um, so overseas experience does count, but not as much as having local experience. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about like the local experience as well, does volunteering in any organization, let's say, for example, for any charity events, as you mentioned earlier as well, like if I, I have a volunteer for an organization or a club within my uni as well, does that count as well? If I have done that within, that includes people and sales? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're doing like memberships for your university organization, yeah, absolutely. Because you still have, you have to sell it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say it's not a commercial environment though. That's the only difference really. Like commercial environment, you're dealing with the public um, and you are selling a product or a service. Mm-hmm. Whereas the university, it's a bit easier because you're a student, the person's a student, you know, it's all part of the student environment and they, you know, it's, it's to me, it seems like a bit of an easier sell. Mm-hmm. what about somebody who has a hospitality experience and who is working in a brutal bar and then the customers <laughs> are screaming what about them they want to get into sales because most of the uni student like i think you yourself said you were uh, like working in uber previously as well and like most of the uni student and graduates you know they have to do some sort of work as mostly a hospitality is common what about a bartender can a bartender who has recently graduated get into tech sales if he's really passionate Sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, bartending is a great, it's like you said, it's a crazy environment, right? And you have to deal with ridiculous customers and ridiculous demands. So I would definitely consider like people with bartending experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say though, still, it's not sales experience per se, you know, because mm-hmm. you're not, yes, it's hospitality, but you're not having to convince the person to buy it. They already want to buy it. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I'd say it, it is valuable, but not as much as some, uh, you know, working for a solar company, for example, that's a really tough industry. Mm-hmm. Um, telemarketing or market research, mm-hmm. um, because they build that phone manner and the phone skills as well, which is super important. And your cold calling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and cold calling is one thing that, you know, if you've never done it before, you don't know how, how difficult it can be. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I really, if someone's done something like that, I will give them a call for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the biggest question over here is like chicken and egg thing as well. Um, and because the thing is that, um, as you said, that there is a market shortage as well, like over here, because most of the uh, skilled migrants, they had to leave to the overseas as well. And right now, those who are over here, they are struggling in, in a bit of getting their foot in, uh, into professional role as well. Um, mm. So how do I as a recent graduate with some visa for two years, um, get it get into sales tech if I'm really passionate about it what are the things that I need to start working on 
So like, like I mentioned, um, having any kind of experience in any kind of sales role that's like the ones I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but also if you're doing internships, you've done them, you're doing volunteer stuff, you're learning things in your spare time. Um, and, you know, like let's say I'm, I'm recruiting for a data analytics company at the moment. If you tell me, actually, I've looked into data analytics, I'm quite passionate about it. I've researched, I understand what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that will really set you apart from, you know, the candidate that says, oh, yeah, that kind of sounds interesting. I've never heard of it before. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd say if you want to get into a particular field like cybersecurity, go and do an online cybersecurity course. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to pay for one. There's a lot of free stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just go and do extra things to show that you're, passionate and you're interested in the industry and this is where you want to go mm-hmm. um that's that's what i will look for and that's what employers will look for as well mm-hmm. and when we talk about particularly the australian uh, tech sales uh, like the job market as well uh, what are some of the main skills that a candidate needs to focus on because uh, for example mm-hmm. a software developer you know who are like mid-level or for example who um who know who are trying to get into the app development, they need certain skills. Is there any particular skills that a person trying to start into sales need? Yeah, de- definitely. Um, there's a few key ones, like I mentioned before. So resilience is absolutely a key skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of overseas students that I meet actually, you know, you've already got this kind of resilience because you've come here on your own. You've had to get a job on your own while you're doing uni and, you know, form your own friendship circle and things like that. So you've gone through that tough experience. So you, I know that there's some element of resilience, mm-hmm. um, but those sales roles, like I mentioned before, those telemarketing ones or the door-to-door ones, they build that resilience. And resilience really is a key core skill or mm-hmm. quality, sorry, that you you must have. Um, and I can't understate that. Like you're going to get rejected in sales. It's going to happen. You're going to get told no. You're going to lose deals. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen time in, time out. So you have to be able to pick yourself back up and mm-hmm. keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely like one of the main things that I look for. Mm-hmm. Um, good communication, obviously. Uh, and what I mean by really good communication is that you're, you know, you, you communicate in a really professional manner. You're punctual. Um, you follow up. Um, you know, you got to remember when you are a candidate, you're selling yourself essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sold on, you have to sell yourself to me before I, I decide to put you forward to my client. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you can accurately and succinctly describe what you do, mm-hmm. um, that's really good. If you mm-hmm. waffle on and go on tangents and I can't really understand what you do, if I ask you, mm-hmm. then that's no good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on that, you should not be afraid to talk about your weaknesses as well as your strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who's really honest and transparent and self-aware um, they know where their vulnerabilities or their weaknesses lie and they're willing to admit that and work on it um, as much as they are willing to talk about their strengths and their good points um, I guess someone someone who's good at reading people who's got high EQ can read the room um, you know there's often there's often subtle cues that you need to pick up on if I'm asking you a question like for example if I ask you um, you know tell me about this experience when you've worked with this or et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you don't really understand the question that I'm asking mm-hmm. and then you answer some other question um, without saying, actually, could you clarify, could you ask that again? 
um, you know, it doesn't bode well for me. So as someone who's got that high EQ and understands uh, verbal communication really well and can, can really um, conduct a conversation, mm-hmm. those are the candidates that really stand out to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yep. So it's it's basically when you are trying to get a get a job in sales, you gotta sell yourself first. That's the best. Always. Way. I mean, it's not just in sales. Like, if you're a software developer, and this is a good example because a lot of software developers, um, and I don't mean to talk down on software developers, they don't have the same level of social skills that a salesperson does. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time when I was recruiting software developers, I couldn't. I almost couldn't tell if they were good or not because they couldn't sell themselves. They didn't know how to. Yeah. So I would have to kind of coax them into things and guide them. Um, with salespeople, I don't do that because you should already be doing that, right? You should understand yeah. that it's an interview process and you need to sell yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I see you like you are not a typical recruiter like in that I see in LinkedIn as a what you really um, like. I really love the part that you talk about mental health. You talk about you know oh, your thanks. own ways to deal with things. Like it's it's really different because I was scrolling your profile the other day and I was mm-hmm. barely seeing like after seventh post you talked about okay here is the role as well. And when it comes to you know like mental health as well, like a lot of jobs you get they get burnt out in this process as well, like. It's not just, you know, like getting rejected when it when you are in the job, but before job as well, you get burnt out as well. So how can, you know, a job seeker or any candidate, you know, avoid that burnt out in this process of finding jobs? Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I've been through it myself when I was starting my career. Mm-hmm. There's this kind of um, almost like this desperation or this loss of hope that can happen for a lot of people because you're applying for all these jobs, you know, you might send in a hundred applications and get two responses back. Um, and then you might not pass both of the interviews. So it can really, it can get you down. It can wear on your mental health for sure. So I think you got to recognize, you know, when you're looking for a job, when you're job hunting, that's almost, it is a job in itself. So you got to, you got to think of it in that way. Like, let me plan out this time during the day where I'm going to look for jobs and apply for them. Um, and really treat it like work. Uh, and I think that's a kind of mind frame that you have to get into, um, you know, to, to avoid that. There's, there's a lot of other things that factor into it as well when, you know, when you're doing this. So when you get rejected, and this is good for sales as well, um, you shouldn't think that you're the problem. Often we like to take things personally, mm-hmm. um, but you've got to understand that, you know, the people making these hiring decisions, they're not making them based on their, you know, their own whims. They're doing it because of the pressure that's above them that, you know, they're trying to um, hire the right people for their business. And if they don't do that, they might make a crucial mistake that could cost their business a lot of money, mm-hmm. might get them fired. Um, you know, there's all these different elements that factor into it. So don't take rejection personally. Uh, don't take the job hunt, um, the process personally. Just recognize that. Mm-hmm. so that's a, a core thing um and also if they give you feedback as to why you weren't successful um you should take that on board as constructive criticism and i think it's actually really important for you to do that um because you might not know where you're going wrong um so mm-hmm. I'd, i would push for that as well like ask for good feedback from uh from your interviewees mm-hmm. sorry interviewers um but yeah i'd say um you know, like I said before, be resilient, keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, but like with anything with mental health, there's there's always a baseline or a foundation that you have to have. You know, 
exercising well, sleeping regularly, eating well, get enough sunlight, enough water, mm-hmm. um, do things like yoga and meditation, get into your hobbies, talk to people um, and just be kind to yourself. I mean, we can beat ourselves up and it's a, a problem with the culture that we have, um, particularly in Australia, is that we're, we're too self-critical. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'd say don't take it personally, you know, um, don't beat yourself up and, and yeah, just take care of yourself. Yep. And I will also add one point that follow David on LinkedIn. You, you might get <laughs> No, yeah, but it's, it's, it's amazing. No, follow Tarzan, uh, just follow him. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I I don't really, because I feel that my ways of dealing with mental health is, isn't something that I want to go public at the moment, but the way you mm. come, come up in LinkedIn and say it about, this is what I've experienced and this is what we could be done. It's it's amazing, mate. It's it's only a few people could do that, mate. Thank you. I appreciate it, mate. I really do. No um, I, I think it's very, very important to to make it, to get the stigma out of mental health because everyone most people that i know have had mental health issues at one point or another yeah um i myself suffered from depression for a number of years um and even you know before i started my first job um, i was really depressed when i was looking for work Mm -hmm. um and it kind of yeah all those things happened to me i was taking things personally i let things get to me and i wasn't taking my care of myself on those base kind of levels the one thing that really just snapped me out of it almost instantly was just going hard at the gym. <laughs> That's <laughs> I know it's very like macho thing to say or whatever, but the gym and exercise really, it's like my rock. It's my foundation. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would be here if I hadn't been persistent in, in sticking to that. No. Um, yep. And maybe playing soccer would also help mate. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Team sports are great. Yeah. I'll have yeah. to have a kick with you sometime. Oh, definitely. We are actually playing tomorrow, by the way, 8 o'clock in the morning in Albert Park. Oh, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock in the morning. Jeez. <laughs> we might nah, have to play some futsal someday soon, mate. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. Yep. Um, before we wrap up our podcast, I have started this thing called Three Top Tips um, by the recruiter or professional as well. So what are mm. the three top tips that you could share to somebody who is trying to you know, get their foot into uh, particularly this tech sales industry? Yeah, good, good question. Um, Top one would be be proactive. You know, so proactive in the sense that you are actively, you know, reach out to me, send me a message, but not don't just send me a message saying, hey, what roles do you have? Say, hey, um, I know you work in this space. I've looked at these companies. I think I'd be suited to these roles. Here's my resume. So being proactive in that sense um, I will instantly accept a request and jump on the phone with you if you're that proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, no questions. So being proactive is a huge one. It shows me that you're enthusiastic, you actually care, um, and that you're willing to go that extra step, which is going to do you well with me. It's going to do you well with my client um, and, and any interview process, really. Um, the second one is to have a really neat, clean resume, particularly for junior um, candidates. I all too often I see two or three page resumes mm. from people that have one or two years experience and it's not necessary to be, to be very frank and very blunt. Um, a one page resume that clearly and succinctly states who you are and what you do um, is really, really good idea. Um, well formatted. So you can, you can go to Canva. Canva's got free templates that you can use. Um, I've, when I was doing my resume, I did mine on Canva and 
know, it, it did get me interviews, but I kept it to one page. Um, I'd say two pages max, you know, mm-hmm. no more than two pages. So that's my second tip. Have a clean, neat one page resume. Um, and my third one, like we were saying before, just be optimistic about your job search. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that will really turn me off and turn a client off is pessimism, um, complaining about things and, you know, a negative kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a bit wishy-washy, but being optimistic and bringing a positive, enthusiastic vibe to all your interactions and meetings. Um, yeah, that's, that's a super awesome thing to do for sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for all your tips, man. I think I no was problem. actually, I actually wanted to start my career in uh, like tech sales as well, because uh-huh. back home in Nepal, I used to do door to door first. And then I became this, do you know this company called Oppo Phone? Yes. Yeah. So, I yeah, used to have an Oppo. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to work uh, as an area sales coordinator for the company as well, uh, like after a couple of months. And coming to Australia, I tried to get into sales, but never qualified. I did try to get into energy company, but now I mm-hmm. feel recruitment more, uh, you know, fascinating than sales. So yeah, it's 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 amazing mate, to hear from you and learn a lot from you, mate. Thanks for coming abroad, yeah. mate. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I really, really appreciate it, mate. No problem. We'll keep in touch, then we'll soon um, go and have some futsal, mate. Sounds good. Yeah, it sounds like a plan. Have a good day, buddy. Cheers, then. You too. Thanks, Tarzan. Bye-bye. Thank you, ladies and David, for jumping into the pod and having such a real conversation with me and sharing so many valuable tips as well. It was an absolute honor to have you in the pod. I hope that the listeners were also able to get some values out of it, and I hope that the tips that you got from David you would be helpful in your job seeking journey. If you love this pod and if you feel that this pod was able to add in some values to you, feel free to share this pod with your friends, families or any university friends that you have in your circle and you feel that this podcast could be useful to. I'm host Tarzan and I will be bringing in more episodes more actively in upcoming weeks. So please feel free to support me in my LinkedIn or in Instagram and also you could find this podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. So feel free to follow, share, like and subscribe. I won't say subscribe to my channel but yeah, feel free to share it. So for today, thank you everyone for tuning into this podcast. I'm host Tarzan and I will be seeing you shortly next week. Have a good day. Bye-bye.